Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's get into the Word this morning. Father, we thank you. Thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come into your word this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Alright, just to say, um, um, if the service gets full, you guys have the permission to set up some other chairs at the, at the back there. Praise God. We, we, we started talking about, well, I'm not going to preach anything about the virus this morning. I'll just teach what we're teaching. Is that okay? Uh-huh. So, my title is not How to Stop the Virus. I'm not a doctor. So, let's get into the word. Parable of the Sower, part three. And I, ha- I, ha- I also had to speak to a couple of pastors that I mentor and I have oversight that uh, in as much as we are cautious and we are trusting the Lord for a total pushback of these, we must not allow it to drive the, the church. We must not allow it be what determines what we preach on a Sunday morning. Praise the name of the Lord. We must keep our eyes on the ball, keep our eyes on the assignment. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in as much as it is something that everybody is struggling with this moment, it can also be a bigger distraction from the bigger picture of what God is doing. I believe that we are in our greatest time and we are in our finest hour. Can you say amen? Amen. So we started talking about the parable of the sower. This is part three. And if you were not here on Sunday and Wednesday, make sure you get the messages. Go to Matthew chapter 13 verse 5. We're looking at three areas. Uh, um, three, three areas where the parable of the sower was used In some, Matthew 13, 5 Some fell Guys, I don't have my New American Standard Bible today I have a, a New King James Praise God Some fell on rocky places Where it did not have much soil And I want you to pay attention It says some fell on rocky places Where it did not have much soil It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Now, I need you to observe that. The Bible says it grew quickly because they had no depth of the earth. So, when the soil is shallow, there is kind of a quick growth. It's spontaneous. But that is because there is no depth on the earth. Go to Mark 4.5. Let's look at how Mark renders it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Now, it says it sprang up quickly because it had no depth of the earth. So, we can see the, how quick it sprang up is connected to the depth of the soil. I need you to pay attention. How quick it came up was connected to how shallow the soil is. You know, they observe that now. I want to say this to you, that even as much as you're in a hurry to get miracles, some things take time. Get used to it. If you tell yourself in life that I will be patient, it will drop a lot of high blood pressure that you have. Some of you are in a hurry. The hurry for everything. You want to blow. Or you want to hammer. 
<laughs> Both words are not very good words. The scripture says, in patience, possess your soul. You know what it means? Take control of your emotions by the force of patience. Realize that some things will take time. And that anxiety is so much in our world. You know, if a couple just get married by the... I, I remember one time, I was praying for couples, uh, praying for couples who were trusting God for the fruit of the womb in a meeting. And I said, if you're believing God for the fruit of the womb, let's trust God together and believe God. And I saw a couple. And I felt impressed of the Lord to ask them, when did you guys get married? They said, last month. <laughs> Are you trusting already? You know, ideally, what I would recommend is that, this is my recommendation. What I would recommend is, if you get married, at least spend the first six months just having fun and enjoying yourself. Because you get married to this lady that you've always seen outside, as it were, and then the second month she's pregnant. So your very first experience with living with this lady at home is... Throwing up, for those who throw up, not eating whatever is available, asking for strange foods. What do you want to eat this morning? Cashew and gari. <laughs> and you, you, just, you just come into the marriage experience with very weird, you know, permit my use of words. You understand what I'm trying to say for those of you who are married. This your beautiful wife, the feet start getting swollen, the cheek is getting swollen, shirts are not sizing high again. And it's just one month. And now you have to get up in the morning. I know. Relax. Don't be in a hurry. Why am I even saying that? Luke chapter 8 verse 6. Maybe it's a word of knowledge for somebody. Luke 8 says, Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Now, I told you, the reason we are reading the three renderings of this passage is for us to have a complete understanding of that parable. Because when Jesus shared the parable, Mark was there, Matthew was there, Luke was also there. So for instance, this is what we're doing right now, right? I'm teaching this morning, but if I pick the notes from three people, you realize that what they are getting from the message is different. There are some that are not getting anything. They are just drawing the style they are going to. I, 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 there was a day my dad was preaching in our church. And, and you know, I, I write a lot when someone else is preaching. So I was writing. So the, the guy next to me, I was trying to find out. My dad called the scripture. I didn't get it. So I asked him, oh, what, what um, scripture did daddy call? And I looked at him. The man was drawing style. He was a tailor. He was drawing style. So that day, light and understanding came to me that not everybody writing is writing what I'm seeing. Okay. <laughs> so, so if you were to be a, 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 a disciple and we look at your this thing, we will see diagrams. Why Jesus was teaching the parable of the sower, we see diagrams of sheds. Okay. All right. So Luke said the other the other disciple said they um. They did not, they sprang, they sprang up quickly, but because there was no depth, right? But Luke now said they withered away because it lacked moisture. So Matthew and Mark says there was no depth. Luke said it lacked moisture. But the three things they all agree with is the fact that it sprang up quickly. 
Is that okay? So all three of them agree that he sprang up quickly. Matthew and Mark attributes that to the fact that there was no depth. Luke attributes it to the fact that there was lack of moisture. Alright. Alright. Now, how did Jesus interpret it? Matthew 13, 20. How did Jesus interpret it? Matthew 13, 20. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 20. Look at this now. But he who received, I told you what the Greek word receive means. It means lambano. It means to take a hold of. Okay? So he who received the seed on stony places, look at it. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So I want you to understand something. There was no problem. On Wednesday we dealt with those who received the word and immediately Satan comes to steal it. There was no problem with these people receiving the word. And that's very important. Is that okay? They received the word and they received it with joy. They were excited with it. Go to verse 21. Yet has no root in himself. Has no root in himself. But endures for a while. Observe the word root, observe the word in himself, observe the word endure, observe the word for a while. Four words. Root, in himself, endures for a while. Okay. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. So why does persecution and tribulation arise? Because of what? How many of you remember when we dealt with when Satan comes? What did Satan come to steal? Come on, I can't hear you. What did Satan come to steal? Those of you on Wednesday, the word. So, can you see that the focus of Satan is the word? Yeah? The focus of Satan is what? The focus of tribulation and persecution is what? The word. So, can you see that everything happening in your life is after one thing? Is after what? The word. Because if the word is rightly planted, it will produce results. And so if Satan takes away the word, or persecution and tribulation takes away the word, then there is no basis for the harvest of miracles. Are, are you following this now? So, so what's, what's the precious thing right here in this parable we're dealing with now? The word. The word is the precious thing. Okay, go to uh, Mark. Let's look at Mark's rendition. Mark chapter 4, verse 16. Mark 4, 16. Man, I'm enjoying this Bible. Do you realize something? Let me tell you something. Do you realize that when Jesus, Mark 4, 16, 16, you realize that when Jesus uh, thought this parable, he did not explain it to everybody. Right? He explained it to who? The disciples, Mark 4.10 tells us that. Let me have verse 10 quickly. Mark 4.10. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. So, you see the funny thing? Jesus preached the parable of the sower. And just talked about the parable. Talked about the parable. And people went home. If you ask those people, what did Jesus preach to? They say, men and man can tell stories. Ah! 
He told us one parable like this. He was just talking, talking so hard. So many places. And they would think they have heard the message. But only the disciples understood what Jesus was saying. So the truth of the matter is that that's why when Jesus finished teaching, he would say, let him who has ear hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You see, you must go for understanding. You must understand what the Bible is teaching. You know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people right now, right, all over, you know, this virus is a sign of the end time, 666, the Antichrist is coming. It's embarrassing that a preacher of God's word will write. It's embarrassing. It's nothing to laugh about. It's shameful. Because you know what? This virus will come, it will go. The Antichrist is not coming. The scripture tells us he's already here. Read the Bible. That's what First John said. And he didn't say it was coming from anywhere. He said it came out from among us. And I've explained to you what does Antichrist mean. Just open your dictionary. Antichrist. That which is against Christ. Whatever fights Christ is Antichrist. Including the doubts and unbelief that you have in your heart. They are Antichristal thoughts. The problem you have is you watch too much film. Tomorrow they'll say it's President Obama. They'll say, just leave all those. An ignorant preacher does disservice to the body of Christ. Why? No understanding. No understanding. They just hear the parable and they run with it. They will not sit with Jesus so Jesus can explain the parable to them. You know, the Bible says, let me say this now, just take a bit of detail. You know, the Bible says on the last day of the feast, Jesus lifted up his voice and says, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What did the next verse say? He said, This he said, speaking of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus had not said that, if that verse had not been in the scripture, you would hear preachers teaching today that one day rivers will flow out of your belly. I'm telling you, you will hear them say it. You, you, I'm telling you, if Jesus did not say this, speak ye of the Spirit. That means, if Jesus did not give that explanation, we would think it is water. So the same way. They go to the book of Revelation and the scripture says, waters flow out of the throne of God. Then what would they do? An artist will now draw a picture of God on the throne and river here and river there. And Jesus says, come boldly to the throne of grace. It means we all have to swim. That means those of us in Bonnie Island, blessed are we. For we should practice how we are going to go boldly to the throne of grace. Because there are two rivers in the city of grace. See, it doesn't make sense. And that's why sometimes people don't want to be Christians. Because sometimes it looks like the Bible does not add up. It's not the Bible that is confused. These ignorant preachers that confuse believers. Praise God. The scripture talks about the sound of many waters. And then he goes on to say these are nations. These waters represent nations and people. So water in John and water in Revelation are different. Praise God. Without spirit of church. Luke chapter 8 verse 13. But those on the rocky ground... Verse, verse Luke 8, 13 now. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no roots. They believe for a while. They, they believe for a while. And in time of temptation, they fall away. So, 
Listen carefully now. It means that springing up for a time is believing for a while. Yeah? Right? Right? He says he sprang up for a time and he withered away. Here tells us they believe for a while and then when temptation comes, it falls off. So we understand three things right now that are against the word. Number one, temptation, persecution, and trials. Okay? Persecution, temptation, and what? Trials. So they believe for a while. You hear the word. Like, man, God, man, God, the power of God is in you. If that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mother, but you go, glory. Woo, Jesus. You go on to Facebook, coronavirus. <laughs> ah, Father, may this thing not kill us. You believed for a while. How many of you know that we don't have faith until you're tempted? Everybody has faith for healing when they are well. Ah, I cannot be sick. Ah, I cannot be sick. Bam. Malaria comes. The pastor says we can take medicine when we do. What is it? You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't take medicine. But you realize right now, at that point, you're not as bold as you were. You know how people are very bold to pray for the sick? Like when somebody is sick, ah, my brother, stretch your hands. Let's pray, pray for forgiveness in the name of Jesus who cause the sickness. Those same people, when they become sick, you realize they are no longer bold. How are you feeling? Say, this way. This way. This sickness is not unto death. <laughs> they are quoting what Jesus was saying to Lazarus. You realize that something had happened. Temptation had come now. Trials have come. Persecution have come. Your confidence in the word is low. People's confidence in the word is high when they don't need it. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy doesn't mind you hearing very sound messages. Then he brings temptation. That's when we will know if you have roots. There is a tree in my mother's village. My mother's village, right? Uh, My mother's village people worship the tree. It's very big. Tree is very big. Its roots uh, is 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 almost as wide as this um, from here down to this place. Very big tree. I mean, all kinds of storms have come upon that village. All kinds of floods have come upon that village. That tree never goes down. Maybe that's why they worship it. You know why it never goes down? Sometimes, like, literally when we're kids, you could, when some heavy storm comes and it sweeps away some of the topsoil, you could see, like, the roots of that tree. Our hands could literally sometimes not go around it. How many of you have seen those kind of trees in your villages? Right. Some deliverance pastors have gone to cut them down. <laughs> Stop putting trees in your father's compound. Trees are good. Is that okay? So your grandfather won't die on time. The small thing that is making that environment conducive for the man to live. You've cut down all the trees. So your village house has fallen now. And it was those trees that were acting as windshield to protect the man. A deliverance pastor said you should uproot it. There is no house in the village that does not have trees. There is no house that does not have calabash. They were all drinking water from the calabash. Don't be digging things. Dig into the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
As a pastor, God has given you the Bible to preach. You now drop the Bible and carry a shovel. <laughs> that is tools of spiritual warfare. If you wanted to be a farmer, you would have just told God. So as the ministry grows bigger, if you have more deliverance to do like this one, if you want to deliver the whole village, you now go and learn how to drive a tractor. <laughs> so, why did I mention my mother's village tree? Roots. The reason that tree never fell was it had roots. But there were other trees by the side. Immediately the wind comes. Bam! They are uprooted. They are so uprooted that the roots are showing. That means massive uprooting. Are you following what I'm saying? It's the same temptation you face that everybody faces. The reason you wither is there is no roots. The man who is committing adultery and the man who is not, they see the same girls. So why does one commit and why does not one doesn't? Roots. The one who is stealing, the same thing. The one who is lying, the same thing. The one who cannot walk in righteousness, the same thing. Don't think that your, your own is peculiar. No. That and it is coming because of the word. How did the temptation of Joseph come? What was Joseph, what was the enemy trying to get from Joseph's life? The word that God gave him that he would rule over his brothers and, and his sister and uh, his brothers and his parents. So we must understand that the precious thing right here is the word. Everybody say the word, the word. is the precious thing. Say it one more time. Say the word, the word is the precious thing. So what do we find about this four this four uh, this Parable now in this verse. Number one, they received the word. So there was no issue with them receiving the word. They got a hold of the word. These were not the type that the word was stolen. These were people who got a hold of the word. Number two, they had no root in themselves. So developing of roots... Is, 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 is important to give staying power. De- developing roots is important to give staying power. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8. And I'll show you something here. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 to 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord... Whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sent out its roots by the stream. What's one of the signs of that tree that spreads out its root by the river? It will not fear when heat comes. Did you see that right there? Come on, did you see that right there? The heat is going to come, but what is going to be the response of the tree that has sent out its roots by the rivers? There will be no fear. Why? Because the roots are connected to the stream. So, if you are experiencing any dimension of fear in your life, you haven't developed roots properly the way you should. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Nor we cease from yielding fruits. So, three things we find out in a man who's got roots. The first thing is no fear. There's no fear. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. 
I said, praise the name of the Lord. There's no fear. When heat comes, there's no fear. You know, people, let me, let me tell you something. You know sometimes what creates fear in the world? It's just human beings panicking. Nothing else. Right? Yeah, yeah am I right? You know, um, in the U.S. right now, if you follow the news, you're right, like, tissue papers are gold in the U.S. Have you been following the news? Like, tissue papers are expensive. Because people say, we're going to stay at home f- for this number of days and everything. You need to get essentials. And people are buying tissue papers in truckloads. You go and get hand, hand sanitizers, bam, the prices have gone up. If you have hand sanitizer now, you are, you actually can become a millionaire. People have gone to buy food, bag of rice. And you know some people are good with forwarding WhatsApp messages. 72 die. Bam, forward. And then people say this funny thing. Whether the news is correct or not, there is nothing wrong. At least let's just know. Why would you spread a lie? You've never forwarded any message that we have preached to anybody. And the message is correct. And then bam, chloroquine kills it. Guys are already dying of chloroquine overdose. You know, some people... They will never catch the virus, but they will have all the symptoms. Because they've studied the symptoms. And so they say, ah, I'm coughing. Hey. Cold we enter. They don't have anything. <laughs> I, I don't know if you, if you get what I'm saying. Now, I'm not trying to downplay it seriousness. Or it, I'm not, that's not what I'm downplaying. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Let me not make you laugh and you cough now. And people around you just start running away from church. But you get what I'm trying to say, right? I'm not trying to downplay the symptom. But I'm telling you how fear gets a hold of us. Not just in this area. In every area of our life. Even financially. So we must understand that one of the things that our root in God gives to us is that it gives us peace and stability that when the heat is coming, we say no fear here. We don't respond in fear. Praise the name of the Lord. Number two, can you see that now? And will not be anxious in the year of drought. Now listen to this carefully. The Bible says it is the year of drought. But what? No anxiety. Why? Because my root is connected to God. Can you see something? Faith does not deny the obvious, but denies the power of the obvious to have the final say. So we can't just come and say, well, there's no God, I just play. No, we can't do that. That's, that's been foolish and presumptuous. The Bible did not say it's not the year of drought. It said it was the year of drought, but the people of faith had no anxiety. They were not anxious. Glory to God. Come on, are you still here? They were what? Not anxious. And nor will they cease from yielding food. I like this. So, it doesn't matter the heat. It doesn't matter the drought. It does not have any effect with your seed bearing. You still produce fruit. Praise the name of the Lord. That's why if you have a business, even this period, don't confess Lack. No. Keep the word of God on your lips. 
Praise God. <laughs> you know, as pastor sometimes, you know, uh, I was having a chat with the pastor. And he was concerned about the offerings. He said, you know, people are going to, you know, that, that. I, I said, listen, 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 listen. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's easy to take your eyes. You see, if you begin to put your eyes somewhere else, you're affecting your roots. Can we go up a bit? Go up. Go to verse um, 7. Go to verse 7. Blessed is the man who does what? I didn't hear you. Blessed is the man who does what? I can't hear you. Blessed is the man who does what? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the economy. Trust in his government. Trust in his locality. Trust who? In the Lord. So, verse 8, we are not talking about any other person except the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose hope is in the Lord. So, can we see that developing roots also means trusting in God absolutely. And how do I know? Come on. How do I know that you're trusting in God? Come on now. There's no fear. There's no anxiety. And you're producing fruits. So if I see fear in your life, what does that tell me? You won't go home today. If I see fear in your life, what does that tell me? No hope in God. If I see anxiety in your life, what does that tell me? There's no trust and hope in God, right? If I don't see certain fruits in your life, what does that tell me? There's no trust. And if there's no trust, what does that tell me about your roots? There's no roots. Because if you've got roots, and heat is coming, you say no fear. Because my roots are connected to the stream. No anxiety. You know, this word trust in the Lord, we all say it, but not many of us really trust in the Lord. If you look at our life and ask yourself, how many of us really trust in the Lord? Amen. <laughs> this serious matter. Praise God. Do you know that, you know, some of you got the text messages right that we sent out in church, and we say, well, they're going to come to church this morning, we're going to have. All the chairs spaced out. We're going to have hand sanitizers and everything. How many of you know that some of you never gave a second thought if we're going to do that? You just came to church expecting, oh, it's pastor, it's KDCC. If that's what they said, they'll do it. How many of you know that you go to some churches and they tell you that you say, hey, I know my pastor. Our chair, he will not space it. You know what's there? Is that trust? Trust is not, listen carefully, trust is not in what the person says to you. Trust is in how you act on that information. Are, are you following this? Okay, let me give you another example. You go before a doctor. And the doctor says, well, you have this and that and that and that and that. And you need to stop eating what? What's the person the doctor stop you guys from eating? Meat. Red meat. <laughs> you know, I was having a joke one time. Someone, someone said to me that, you know, when you get to you stop eating red meat. I said, when you cook it, it's no longer red. Okay. <laughs> it's now brown meat. So if it's brown, the doctor didn't say brown meat, he said red meat. When it's raw, it's red. When it's cooked, it's brown. Okay. Don't follow. I'm not a doctor. Don't follow. <laughs> 
But what's going to happen? Next time when they serve you meat, what are you going to do? Temptation is going to come because of the word of the doctor. Right? But if you have developed roots, if you're... Blessed is the man whose trust is in the doctor and whose hope is in the nurse. (laughs) What's going to happen? You look at that meat and say, don't worry, it's okay. What have you done? You've acted on the words of the doctor because you trust, listen carefully, that the doctor knows your body, knows what is good, knows what you need. You don't even know your body as much as the doctor knows your body. Am I right? That's what trust is. Trust is when your actions are now regulated by the information you have. When you don't even have all the knowledge. So the doctor says stop red meat. I don't don't know why I should stop meat. Yeah? I don't even know what meat is going to do to my body. That means I don't have enough knowledge of my body. I don't have enough knowledge of what meat is going to do. But I trust that the doctor knows my body. And if the doctor is recommending that I stop eating meat, I'm going to act on the word of the doctor and stop eating meat because I trust in the doctor and I hope in him because of his cure. So what does trusting in the Lord mean? Trusting in the Lord means that you act on the word of God whether you have all the information or not. Because God knows you more than you know yourself. God knows your body more than you know yourself. So if God says, sin is bad for you, I don't have to understand why and how it is bad. I act on the word of God because I trust God. And I develop my roots in what he has said because of his knowledge. The only reason you respect the doctor is because the doctor has knowledge. You know, the doctor has knowledge. And then he writes something that you can't see. I don't know whether when they get to the final year of medical school, they just tell them, change your handwriting. If you want to succeed out there, change your handwriting. Doctors' handwritings are never legible. You know, in those days when, we used to call it coaching in, in, in school, when people write, they say, I'm writing like a doctor. And I told one of my friends, you will fail and never become a doctor. Because if you write like this at this level, and the teacher is frustrated and cannot see, you just say zero, nonsense, zero, nonsense. You end up in SS2, except you want to become a native doctor. <laughs> You know, native doctors don't give written prescription. They give verbal. Praise God. So developing roots means trusting in God. Please pay attention. This looks like reputation, but it is key. That I trust in God, I act on His word, and I build my roots down. Praise God. Let's go to another scripture. John 15, 5. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John chapter 15 and verse 5. John 15, 5. Can we read from verse 1? I am the true vine. Use the word true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, it takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, it proves that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Praise God. You know, God, God believes so much in the power of his word that he looked at the disciples and said, You are already clean because I have spoken to you. Scripture talks about the washing of water by the word. 
Go to the next verse. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is casted as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are born. Verse 7. If you abide in me, look at this now, he's beginning to explain this further, and my words abide in you. So, how does taking root work here? The word of God abiding in you. Look at this now. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now look at this. As the Father loved me, I also love you. Abide in my love. So he says, abide in my word, abide in my love. Go on. If you keep my commandment, you will abide in my love. So how do we abide in him? Keeping his word. If we keep his word, we abide in him. Now look at this. Just as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this and to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command. Praise the name of the Lord. So you see that one of the ways we develop roots is allowing the word of God to abide in us. And how do we allow the word of God to abide in us? We do the commandments of God. You see, sometimes when we teach, we talk that in the Old Testament there were commandments. In the New Testament they are no longer commandments. They are commandments. There's a commandment of walking in love. There's a commandment of being holy even as our Father in heaven is holy. Are you following what I'm saying? These are instructions from God. And as we act on them, we abide in God. Praise the name of the Lord. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 6. Thank you Lord Jesus. Colossians chapter 2. I mean God is a good God. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 to 7. Praise God. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith as you have been taught. So as we learn of Christ, we have been rooted and built up in Him. For instance, one of the things we should be built up in Christ especially is who we are in Him. That we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is a revelation that we should abound in. We should study more of it. We should understand more of it. We should grow more in it. Not just in knowing it, but in acting it out. So God wants us to be rooted and built up in Him. He doesn't just want us shallow. And one of the process of being built up is the process of discipleship. And that's why you realize that most times in charismatic churches, we preach a lot, but there's very little discipleship. And the reason there's little discipleship is because we don't have time. You see, I realize this. We cannot disciple people if people do not have time. 
That's the truth. You know, a lot of people, they, uh, they blame pastors. Oh, nowadays pastors are not doing discipleship. And, you know, sometimes you start a discipleship class. And you say, well, we're going to have a discipleship class for one week. The first week, everybody shows up. Am I right? The second week, excuse me, start. Ha, sir. Hey, hey. I was about to come. I don't just know what happened. The handle of my door just fell. I say, ah, now that I'm going to go to church, the handle just fell. What will I do? I have to call the carpenter. Before carpenter came, I look and say, ah, I will be late. Pastor keeps to time. You've missed one class. The next one, my grandmother. You know, there are some folks whose grandmother are always dying. Because there's no excuse. The woman has died, so they just lie with the woman. At the end of the day, you cannot be discipled if you do not have time. Because when, when, when we talked about discipleship in, the whole, in, 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 in Bible times, they literally followed. You see, when Jesus talked about his disciples, they literally followed him everywhere. It is not in the followership, but in the giving of time. In your own life, you cannot be a disciple of Christ if you do not give time to the word. You have to study the word. Let me give you an example. For me to start teaching on the parable of the sower, for instance, I read all these parables, maybe like 20 times. Just reading, not making notes, not preparing message. I read Mark, I read Matthew, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark. I read it over and over and over and over again. I know some of you have read these parables a lot of time, but I, I mean, we've got a pastor who sent us uh, a feedback on the message. I mean, it was just mind lifting when he sent us a feedback of listening to the message and the truth is just gleaming. I know, you know, some of you think, well, some of you think, okay, because he's a pastor, the Holy Spirit, you know, so what the Holy Spirit does is, I just open the Bible, because we just say, right. He doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit ministers things to me, but I also have to be disciplined to study. You know, the, 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 you know sometimes, I joke with my wife, the greatest challenge I have in studying the scriptures is, when I, I, I like this series for instance, I can teach this series for as long as I can go. Because the more I study the word of God, the more depths come up. Depths come up. But you have to study. You cannot be a disciple of Christ if you do not study. I'm not even talking about coming to church to study. Your own life. You need to have that time where you study. This, I left my other Bible back home. This was the Bible I had. I think of when I had this Bible. Uh, this was the Bible I used in 2000. And what do I do? Every year I get a new Bible. Because then my Bible is well marked. If you see all this, you see writings, writings, writings. You see the Bible is turned right. This is from usage. Not from putting photographs and bios inside. Okay? Now, why do I buy a brand new Bible every year? So that I read the Word of God. Because naturally, when you have marked your Bible a lot, immediately you go to that chapter where you mark will stand out. And the problem is, if you got that thing wrong, that same interpretation you got there is what will stick to your head. So, I get a fresh Bible every, every year and I start studying. Sometimes I get a fresh translation. If you don't have that discipline, you cannot bear roots. Are you following what I'm saying? Because this thing is not only my responsibility. You have a responsibility to your own spiritual growth. What did the Berean believers do? They went back to search and to study what Paul had taught. Praise God. 
I was so glad. There was a question a member of the church asked me, and a past, somebody listened to the message and asked me the same question. And I was glad they asked that question because I know there was a day I was preaching. And I was saying that you know people preach pray in the name of their pastors and all that, and you should pray in the name of Jesus. And the person asked me, but in the Old Testament they prayed in the name of God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I told him yes. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the only people that had covenants with God in the Old Testament. It was one covenant from one generation to another. But in the New Testament, God has a covenant with Jesus on our behalf. And that's the covenant we have entered into. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. But you know I was glad? It means they were listening. Are you following what I'm saying? It means they gave a thought. In fact, the way the person asked me, he say, oh, I was reading today and I saw in the Bible the people were praying like this. That's, that's good. That's good. You go back and study the word. That is how you develop roots. You don't develop roots just by being careless or by sitting down. It is where, it is where, no evil shall be for me. No evil shall be for me. It is where. You don't develop roots like that. You are lazy. Don't be a spiritually lazy Christian. Don't let technology make you lazy. Praise God. Don't let technology make you lazy. Some of you, audio Bible. You cannot even open the Bible anymore. Just play, play. And Jesus came to the woman in the world. Mm. Mm. I'm understanding this verse. <laughs> Those should be... Let me put it this way. Those should be extras. That's not what you build. Are you following what I'm saying? Those should just be extras. You're driving. Yeah. It should not be your main life. Have a study life. I'm going to study this scripture. I'm going to learn. Because you know what? The good news is temptation will come. The good news is persecution will come. The good news is trial will come. And at that time, you can't call me. You know what I'll be doing? Sleeping. Praise God. Let's look at another scripture. Uh, okay, let's leave that. Let's go on so that we can finish. So we've talked about them receiving the word. Then they believed for a while. The word believe for a while means they only lasted a short time. They only lasted a short time. And can I tell you something? When I say someone only lasted a short time or they just believed for a while, this can be two years. It's not just talking about one day. This can be two years. Because there are certain things in your life right now you do not know that you have until certain temptations come. You know, some of you might not know that you have the capacity to be massively corrupt. You think you are okay. All these corrupt people in this country. Hi! God be punished everywhere. God be punished. Until they make you special advisor to the governor. Special advisor to the governor. And first thing, they change your cars. Give you police escorts. Put you in a nice house. Then the governor sends you text in the morning that they are putting like 25 million in your account. That there is a paper they want to send for you to sign. You know you won't read the paper anymore. Even when you read, you know that this paper is something. See, what is it? What is it? I'm not the only one that can change this country. Only one person cannot change the country. Even if it is God, he will sign this paper. You don't know that that 
There are even some of you that are already planning how, if you become local government chairman, you will build house for your uncle, build house for your village, build. No thoughts of helping people. Let me tell you this. Don't believe. I don't know why people believe politicians. I, I, you know, sometimes I get disappointed in Christians also. Ah, this man disappointed us. Hey, after all the hope, you hope in politicians. <laughs> ah, the day I was, I became afraid. Now, there are people God is calling, raising into those places. But the day I became afraid of politicians, or politics as a game, we're contesting for, I, I did social studies education at Delta State University, we're contesting for the president of the association. I was doing well in school, people loved me, everybody, um, yeah, wanted me to go, so I was contesting. And I had this friend, we studied together, then he was a printer. So I called him, and I shared all my plans, what I want to do with him, gave him all the ideas of the things I wanted to print. So the guy charged me a bit high, so I was paying him gradually. <laughs> Two weeks to the election, I saw his posters. Everything I said I wanted to do, the guy had printed it in a handbook and distributed. You see, I felt so bad, I just... You, do you understand? It's like you're going into battle with this person. You say, this is my war plan. Then the guy comes and unveils that work plan in a printed format. And you still have it in your heart. And it was two weeks. The shock was so much, I just pulled out of the elections. And that day, I now... Well, maybe that's when I lost faith in politicians. But I just told myself, listen. Forget what people tell you. If in 2020, what we are still celebrating on television as a nation is that water borehole was commissioned. We should be ashamed. Do you understand? That a, a man that is over 40 will go and be pumping water like this and people are clapping. In 2020. We should be ashamed. And some of you will do so if you have the opportunity. Because what we have in mind is give peanuts to the poor and enjoy the rest. And we have forgotten that everybody was created in the image of God. How do I know? Is those little money you are taking from those you employ. That's how I know that there's wickedness in your heart. You employ someone, you say, I'm going to pay you 25,000. The end of the month, you find all the reason to deduct the thing to 15. So I'm a disciplinarian. I don't take nonsense. Why is good to make up discipline? The truth of the matter is that sometimes you should understand that God has put you in a place to be of help to many. Not based on people from your village. You realize that when Joseph, right, became the prime minister of Egypt, even though it was to save his family, whatever he did was also for the welfare of Egypt. When somebody is entering governance, that's how you should think. You should not just think of your people. Whatever your people are benefiting, every other person who qualifies should benefit from it. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the real one. Troubles and persecution because of the word. Troubles and persecution because of the word. And I really want to, to make this the anchor point of this message. Because we almost have a gospel 
that is pulling out troubles and persecution. We, we almost have a gospel that is spineless. That cannot go through tough times. Uh, you know, let me, okay, let me, let me take it easy. Because, no, let me not take it easy. Revelation 12, 11, let me start from there so that you understand. You know, sometimes we share this, we talk about this scripture, but we don't understand what the scripture means. Especially when people want to give testimonies. Revelation 12, 11. How many of you have heard that? Preached in church. If you want to overcome the devil, share your testimony. Eh? Yeah? How many of you have heard? People say, if you want to overcome the devil, share your testimony. How many of you have heard that? Your testimony. Okay. And they overcame him. Go to verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10. Then I heard the loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Go to verse 11. And they overcame him by what? By what? Hold on. What overcomes the devil? What overcomes the accuser? The blood of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Jesus. So, the first thing to overcome the devil is the blood of Jesus. And by the word of their words. The word of their testimony. Is it the word that they bought a car? But that's what you're taught. Because it gives a characteristics of that testimony. It defines it. And they did not love their lives to death. Actually, this was talking about those who died for the gospel. It was talking about those in the book of Revelation who refused salvation. Who refused to be delivered from death. Because of the gospel. That that's how they overcame Satan. It's not those who say, Praise Master Jesus! I'm praising your Lord that you are still sitting there. Join me! Praise Jesus! As I was crossing the road, bike came. I said, Jesus, Jesus, this bike will not touch me. And the bike didn't touch me. Thank you, Jesus. For I've overcome the devil. The devil was not even aware that bike wanted to kill you. He was busy doing other serious business. Is it wrong if we share a testimony? There's nothing wrong in it. But stop using scriptures that doesn't mean something. It's irritating. And then the first thing, I'll tell you, the first thing when you hear someone like me teach this, is no, 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 that's not what Papa said. That's the problem. Don't have roots in Papa. Have roots in the Word. And if I'm wrong, call me out. Don't even have roots in me. Go study the word. It's there. Look at it there. By the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. So he was talking about the martyrs. Those who gave up. People like David Livingstone who brought the gospel. How did they overcome the devil? By giving their lives for the gospel. The gospel reached more people. And Satan who was the god of this world. Who blinded the eyes of people. Were taken out. And therefore Satan was over. They did overcome Satan. Because they brought the gospel to us. And we now have the light of the gospel. Satan has been overcome in our own lives. Because they did not love their own lives. Unto death. Send this over and preach. Now rain is falling. You stay inside. We send text. Then tomorrow you want to share a testimony that you bought a car. 
Do you realize, listen, let me tell you something, and I, I need to say this. Let me tell you something. Do you realize all the things we call testimonies today in the scriptures were normal lives of the believer? They were not things they talked about. They, no, they didn't. You know, how, you know how many servants Abraham had? 318 people were working for Abraham. He never boasted about it. He never referenced it. Every time God was engaging Abraham, or every time God was, Abraham was engaging God, he was only talking about the covenant. The covenant. How the seed of Christ was going to come. These things are additional things. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? The cars, the house, the wives, the children, the healing. See how one virus has put the whole world to stand still. You will now see almost how powerless we are. You, you realize that. So, you just ask yourself that. So, this is it. With all the money we have, with all the... This, look at where all of us are. Nobody's... Look at the space between all of you. No, I mean, we, let's be honest. I'm a pastor also. We need to be honest. Like, like, is this it? You realize that just because of one virus... Churches are shut down in that sense. And then I, I had to put it up on Facebook. You hear some pastors come, God has been talking to me about house churches. One year ago, I've been warning the church, shut up. It's okay to just say you didn't have a clue what was coming. God is not telling us to go back to house churches. It's virus sending us back. God is not using it to send us a message. That's just, that's just being, being, being childish in the midst of a serious issue. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you realize that with all our testimonies, you, you see how weak. And powerless in the real sense that we are. Can't go out of your house again. You can't at the point say don't go home again. At the point you now say between you and your wife and your children, you both should not touch each other. So you buy a whole like this, do like good morning, daddy. Say good morning, Papa. I say stay there, stay there, stay there. You realize that at the end of the day, you don't realize that when the scripture calls the word vain, the world is actually vain. Now you have visa, you can't travel. You have passport, you can't travel. You know, my dad went to preach in South Africa. He, he, he came back. He came back uh, yesterday, Thursday. He was telling me that the whole plane was empty. That it was as if he was flying a private craft. That he just he was sleeping. That he was sleeping in this chair. I say he's going, he'll now go to another one actually. <laughs> you know, my dad is a funny guy. You know, but we had to ask him to come back. And thank God we even came, came back on Thursday because I know the federal government has banned flights from, from Monday till April 23rd. So if you have any travel to do between Monday and April 23rd, you are here, you come to church. But I hope you get what I'm trying to say. That there is something more serious and more tangible about the faith that we need to possess. Are we going to have cars? We will have cars. Are we going to have money? We will have money. But beyond that, there is an overcoming by a testimony of not loving our own lives unto death. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we all have to die for the gospel. But it means that it is not our personal comfort we put first if we want to overcome the enemy. It takes commitment to overcome the accuser of the brethren. Are you still here? Praise God. Okay, so... I just wanted to clear that thing about that scripture. Let's look at the promise of Jesus. John 16.33. Quickly. Let's do four more scriptures. I want us to close on time. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Are you learning something this morning? Are you glad you came to church this morning? John 16.33. Hey, sorry. Do you have the message translation? Give me Revelation 12.11 from the message translation, please. Let me see that. If you have it. I want you to read that. Revelation. No. Uh, yeah. Message translation. 
Okay. Look at this. I, I really wanted to read it. They defeated him through the blood of the Lamb. Right? Now, see that word of the testimony. Can you see the way Message Translation translated it? And the bold word of their what? Read it with me. The bold word of their what? Do you realize what the Bible told us in Acts chapter 2? You shall be my what? Witnesses. Or you shall be the ones that share my testimony. The word testimony is from the same word as testifying. What do you testify about in court? What you have seen? Who is a witness? A man who was somewhere in the scene of an, of an incident. Am I right? Come on, am I right? So when the Lord says, you shall be my witnesses, what is he trying to say? You shall be the ones that go forward to testify about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Are, are you following what I'm saying? He says, and, 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 and the bold word of that testimony, they were not in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. They were not in love with themselves. Why is it that we don't preach the gospel as much as we can today? We're in love with ourselves. What takes away uh, from us preaching the truth of the gospel? We're in love with ourselves. If a, if a pastor loves himself more than he loves the word of God, the more he teaches you, the more you fall in love with him than Jesus. Because he's going to teach you everything around himself. Are you following what I'm saying? He's going to teach you to depend on him, to, to, you know, just so much. Even as preachers of the gospel, we must be willing to lay our lives down for the sheep and for the sake of Christ. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, I like this. So go back and meditate on that. So this is not talking about your testimony of car, house, hair, and all that. They are good. They are fantastic. But not Revelation 12, 11. That's something else. John 16, 33. Let's look at this persecution stuff now. Well, John 16, 33, are you here? These things I've spoken to you, that in me, you may have peace. Look at this. In the word, you will have tribulation. What did Jesus say? Come on, what did Jesus say you are going to have in the world? What did he guarantee you that you will have? Did Jesus guarantee you that? I know some of you will not say yes. Everybody say yes. yes. Did Jesus guarantee you that? Yes. Why are we running away? He said it. Now you believe the fact that you bring forth fruit in due season. You don't believe the fact that you have tribulation. You want to confess this away? That's our problem. You know like when we sing. What's that song you people sing? When success comes my way, then we change it. When it's supposed to be when trouble. And then when success comes my way, I'm praising What's, what are you scared of in trouble? No, what are you afraid of? Ask yourself. <laughs> in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good share. I've overcome the world. So it is when this trub- tribulation, <laughs> I wanted to say tribulation, <laughs> it is when this tribulation comes. That those who don't have roots in God and in themselves fall away. Most Christians cannot go through trials. They cannot. Ah, forget it. Forget it. Ah, no, they can't go through trials. Trials? Zero. Zero spine for trials. Even what you call trials is not trials. Let me show you trials. 
Let me show you. Let me show you what the apostles said. Then I'll show you trial from the apostles. Go to Acts 14, 22. You know sometimes they say, we want powers of old. Oh God of Elijah. We want the Elijah of today. We are the Elijahs of today. We are Elijah that Jezebel was chasing to kill. Imagine the federal government say, we are looking for this man. We want to kill, <laughs> kill the man. <laughs> look at Acts 14, 22. Right? Let's look at verse, from verse 21, please. And when they preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples. Everybody say many disciples. Then they returned to Lystra and Kino Look at verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Not just converts. After your conversion, you ought to go through discipleship. One of the mistakes we made in the charismatic church is shortening our services and taking out Sunday school. Because we said Sunday school was boring. It's too long. Answer question. We took us Sunday school. And that was, I think, one of the ways people were discipled. Many people do not know scriptures today. Many people do not know scriptures. I know how Sunday school is. Read the passage. Everybody says the answer. Even if we say, let's do Sunday school now. Some people will not answer. What did you pick from the passage? When they don't tire, they will continue. <laughs> you will discourage us from discipling. Is it? You know, the more you blame pastors for what is going wrong, the more you should also look at yourself. If I say, let's have Sunday school, where we have Sunday school, we do book reviews, our own is modern Sunday school. If we say, let's have sincere Sunday school, the way Sunday school should be patterned, most of you will not come. See, 8.30 to 8, 9 o'clock, Sunday school. Again, you went at the time, the service. I go at the right time. What is the right time? Missing Sunday school. That's the wisdom of this world. Or we say, okay, we're, we're going to have discipleship classes on Monday night. Most of you will not show up. See, we cannot grow like that. And when temptation comes, you wonder. You see, the Bible says, if you fail in the days of adversity, it says your strength is small. There's no two ways about it. Praise God. Look at this. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples, exalting them to continue in the faith. And saying, now if I tell you, continue in the faith, it means that there is opportunity for you to stop. I can't tell you, continue doing something if there's no opportunity for you to stop. Am I right? It says, continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. That was the exhortation. Imagine, you know, Sister Mary preaches very nice exhortational message. Imagine Sister Mary comes up and says, praise the Lord. Today we want to, I want to preach to you. What's the title of the message? Through many tribulations shall we enter into the kingdom. How many of you will write that topic down? I God forbid. God has overcome for me. <laughs> no. Tribulations are part and parcel of that which brings us into the kingdom. The trials of our faith, the Bible says, is more precious than gold. Are you following what I'm saying? It's like you're trusting the Lord for healing and it looks like the healing is not manifested. Man, that's a trial. Get lock your horns in there. Develop your roots in there. Praise God. I said, praise God. Now let's look at Acts. Let's do five more minutes. Uh, where should I go to now? Let's look at the words of Jesus. Then we'll go to Acts. There's this story in Acts that I really like. But let's look at the words of Jesus. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. You know, today we have 45 minute services. Praise, worship, message everywhere. 45 minutes. And you wonder how you people are going to try. You know what all those messages are? 
You know, like what I'm teaching, I mean, I'm not accusing anybody of not teaching. But you know what I'm teaching you right now? It's, it's, it's a bit in-depth. It's not as in-depth as we should even go in the normal place. Right? But it's a bit in-depth. How many of you attended the prosperity, uh, the prosperity class we had, the biblical class? You saw that we taught almost two hours on Friday night. And it was like, I didn't even finish. And you have a service of 45 minutes. And what is that service? God is going to give you victory. I said, anywhere your enemies are, you are getting victory. I receive. I receive. You have victory. I receive. I receive. You have victory. I receive. I receive. Know what is victory. You don't have a clue. At the end, you start suspecting everybody. When trials come, somebody will even be suggesting to you, there's one Baba I know that can, that can do something. So I don't even know. You know, God can use anybody. God can use anybody to give me victory. You now go and meet a herbalist that God can use them. The, the herbalist will even say, let's pray together. I say, Father, please answer his prayer. God, use him. <laughs> no roots. Then at the end, you'll be you saying very stupid things. Uh, show me where in the Bible God says you cannot look for solution anywhere. Show me. Because even the Bible says, heaven help those who help themselves. The Bible said it. No roots. <laughs> where did I say you should turn to? Mark chapter 10. Praise God. Verse 29. So, so Peter asked about what they are going to get in this world. Mark, 20, Mark 10, 29. Verse 28, let's start from verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So those people who say Peter didn't do full-time ministry didn't understand what you're saying. They left everything to follow Jesus. So Jesus answered and said, As shortly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Listen, he didn't say you left them because you want to get a hundredfold return. Because most times we leave them today because we want to get 100 for return. I sold my land. Ah, Father, as I sold my land now, nah, you promised 100 for return. He said, leave it for my sake and the gospel. The people who gave to the apostles in the book of Acts were not giving so they can get. They were giving so that the apostles will have what to preach with. That's what corrupted our motives. Are you hearing? He said, if you have left it for my sake and the gospel, not for your own prosperity's sake. Because sometimes we parade covetousness as prosperity. Someone says, I drop land. After I drop land, I bought two upstairs. You just look at, ah, land, two upstairs, land, two upstairs. Ah, this is a good investment. Too. You just tell your wife, where is that small land we have? And you now go and sell land to the church that is in a waterlogged area that we spend almost. You know, there are some seeds pastors should be rejecting. Can't give us one waterlogged land that is a river. You actually give us a river. Say, Pastor, we have, we have one river we want to give to you. But consider it as land. Then the next time you start harassing God, Father, I have given. Lord, I gave your son. <laughs> you know, if God will even talk to us, he'll just say, Please return that guy's return his seed. Say, Come. Sorry, we don't have a dead fold return now. There's coronavirus. <laughs> okay, okay. So, you leave it for my sake and the gospel. So, if I'm giving to God, why am I giving to God? I'm saying, Listen, I think. That the message we hear in this house, we need to get it on television. We need to get it on every channel. Are you following what I'm saying? I give so the gospel will go forward. Or, or well, thank God my pastor teaches me the word. I just want to bless him to make him comfortable so he's not thinking of anything so he can teach more. Why do you buy a car for your pastor? Not so that your pastor can be like, you know, I'm riding a limousine or something. You buy a comfortable car for your pastor so your pastor is comfortable preaching the gospel, traveling if he needs to travel. You make sure he has food, you make sure he has whatever he needs. 
Not so the pastor can come and boast to you. And I want pastors about that. Never boast to the people who God is using to bless you. There's no need. I'm the richest man in this church. It's an unhealthy statement. You know why? I can't be the richest man in this church. You know why I can't be the richest man in this church? If every one of you gives to me from whatever you have, I can be wealthier than a whole lot of you. But it is not because I'm a good entrepreneur. It just means that I have more people blessing me. And there's no need to boast to you because whatever you give, whatever I have came from you because you're my partners. It came from God, obviously. But there's no need to boast. Let's read it. Verse what? Verse what now? Verse 30. Good. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? So I tell people there are rewards for giving. When you give, the Bible says you receive now. What will you receive? Come on, let's read together. What will you receive? Houses. What will you receive? Brothers, sisters, and mothers. Give me a few minutes. I need to explain this. You know why? You know, right, man, I, I grew up in Delta State. All my brothers are in Delta State. My family is in Delta State. And the Lord sent us here eight years ago. I mean, there are guys in this church that are like brothers to me. They're like sisters to me. There are people in this church, I'm like their father, I'm like their mother. You know what I've done? The fact that I left my family, my brother, and that's why you guys should take care of me properly. Because I left my family to come and be with you. <laughs> you understand that? Are you following that? So you are the answer in my life to this scripture. Because what God does is He gives me mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters. Are you following? Because I came here for the sake of the gospel. Do you, do you understand how that works? Now, mothers and children and lands. With, with what? With what? But you know, we don't quote that place. You know, you cannot, if, if the Lord says, I'll give you land, I'll give you houses... With persecution, you cannot collect the land at the houses and not collect the persecution because it comes with it. Okay, the whole church is quiet. Come on, come on, come on. Is this Bible? What comes with your hundredfold return? It comes in this age. Yeah? And then they want to come. So come and say persecution is part of the harvest. Say it loud and clear like you really mean it. Persecution? It's part of the harvest. You know why people don't receive the harvest? They don't want to be persecuted. So when, the, when, when people start knowing you are a Christian and they don't invite you to some parties, you feel bad. So you tone down your Christianity so you can join the party. That's not even persecution. That's low one. Let's read re-persecution here. Uh, okay, let's do two more scriptures. Three more scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.12. Let's just read them quickly. Put them on the, on, the, on the board. Let's read them quickly. 2 Timothy 3.12. Let's all read. Let's just read from the board so that we're, we're faster. For men will be lovers of themselves. Do you remember one of the signs of the end time? I'm going to teach this. Yeah, because this is one of the signs of the end time. Men will be lovers of themselves. Maybe I should teach this. Right? Remember what we read in Revelation chapter 12? That they did not love themselves. So the opposite of men who do not love themselves will be what? Men who do what? Love themselves. That's it. Lovers of money is end time sign. You are looking at virus. Look at it here. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Praise God. Then go to verse 12. Go to verse 12. Yes, and all who desire 
to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. So do you know why I read those two verses? Imagine in this world, you are living like somebody who does not love money. Did you get me? You, you, you are sacrificing yourself. Your friends will tell you you are foolish. Christianity is not stupidity. I'm not a dumb man to anybody. Are, are you following? But he says, if you really want to live godly in this world, you suffer persecution. Let's see the testimony of Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Then we read the story in Acts and then we close. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you there? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproach, in need, in persecutions. Do you know how many times Paul was flogged for preaching the gospel? Many times Paul was flogged. Many times Paul was flogged. Okay. Now, let's read this story in Acts chapter 5 and then we close. Acts chapter 5 verse 33. Everybody, let's read this story. Everybody, everybody, let's read this story. Very interesting story. Acts 5.33. Can we read? Okay. Let's, let's look at this now. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. That's those who were preaching. If you go to verse uh, 29. When they heard this, they were furious. They, verse 34. The one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, had respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourself that you in, what you intend to do regarding this man. Verse 36. For some time ago, Thedos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. So the fact that you have 400 people doesn't mean you are genuine. This guy had crowds. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of census and drew away many people after him. He also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from this man and let them alone. For if this plan of this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But it is, if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Look at verse 40. And they agreed with him and when they are called for the apostles and beating them. Everybody say beating them. Say loud and clear. Say beating them. Okay. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Can you see their attitude? Look at this attitude. They, I mean, these guys were beaten for preaching. And the Bible says, when they left, they rejoice. Wow, praise God. How many did you take for Jesus? 42. Wow, me, I was 52. I took more. Consider the things that stop you from talking about Jesus. Just consider it. No beating. Just that you talked about Jesus and your friend didn't like what you said. And now, okay. In fact, I put something on social media. Even Christians are now saying the universe. If you do this, the universe will bless you. You know, Mother Earth. Something wrong with you. What is Mother Earth? Who is universe? Because you just want to be acceptable. But these were guys that were beaten. Do you realize that you are going to be judged in the same way these guys were judged? Even when you look at the life that the apostles lived and our own lives, there is no basis for judgment. It's almost like looking at all of you here, you have failed from 1999 to. <laughs> Go and ask a Muslim who accepted the Lord how his family treats him. Go and ask them. 
Let them tell you their stories. You know what my, my dad went through? My dad was the only son of my, grand, of my, of my grandparents. The only son of my grand, grandparents. And my, grand, my granddad was actually a Habao guy. And my granddad wasn't doing medicine for individuals. He was doing medicine for village, villages when he wanted to go fight. So my dad was the crown prince to take over that jurisdiction. <laughs> Maybe I would have been a herbalist in training now. Probably I would have even made more money. <laughs> and when my dad accepted the Lord, it was tough. Because you know what? There was no other child. It was the only child. So my grandparents suffered embarrassment from the village. And my dad was ostracized. So you see why I preach the way I preach. I didn't come to Christ on... I didn't come to Christ on a, on a, you know, nice... No, I came to Christ in the midst of the intense persecution that my dad was going through. And that's why I don't have time for small stuff Christianity. Because I've seen the power of God manifested. I've seen God do things that only God can do. Saved us from all kinds of accidents. Saved us from all kinds of oppressions. And I saw the last days of my grandfather. He accepting the fact. That the only powerful name was the name of Jesus. Are you afraid? I wasn't, I wasn't born again through TBN. That's why I have the boldness to preach what I preach. Because I've seen... I've seen both words in raging battles. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? The gospel has power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The gospel has power. And when my granddad accepted the Lord in his way, he didn't go to church. And you know one of the reasons he didn't go to church? He went to some churches and he called, he, 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 he told my dad, he said, if your church was in the village, I would go. He said, but all these pastors you see in this village, they are not serious people. He said, because when I go to church, they will not tell me that a witch will kill me. He said, then there's no need. So let me give you a bit of who my granddad was. In the height of his, whatever he was doing, does it tread across a door in the village? If you were a witch and you crossed through that tread, you can't stay in the house. You go out. You cannot stay. You can't sit. So he told my dad, he said, if I was serving these gods and I could put something in front of my house and a witch cannot enter, he said, how come when I now accept your Jesus? A witch will not come to kill me. It shows he does not have power. That was, listen, listen. And what I'm saying, I'm saying with deep pain. That was his only regret about church. That the churches that were existent preached the fact that the life he was living before had more protection and preservation. I'll tell you, my grandfather never had doors in his house. You can't enter. You can't steal. If you take something from the house that does not belong to you, you will wait for him. 
you will listen, you don't understand that. So I didn't get born again on TBN. It's not that's why I preach. I'm telling you why I preach the way I preach. Because I'm convinced of what I'm telling you. That there is no other name in this world that a man can be saved except the name Jesus. There's no other power. It's either we're trusting him all the way. Or we just find something else to do with our life. This is no games. Can't tell you how many road accidents my dad was involved in for the fact that he refused to follow those things. My dad was on crutches. We're going to Quara State then. I was in the vehicle. I don't know how someone took me from the vehicle. I was sitting on the stone outside when there was a terrible accident. So I saw where my dad fell through. I directed people to where he was. His two legs were broken. He was on crutches. We still have the crutches in our house. And my granddad came and said, you know what? All I need to do is to break the leg of a chicken and treat that chicken. The day that chicken walks, you will walk. And he will do it. He will do it. When they brought people who were broken to him, that's what he did. You just carry an animal and break it. He will not treat you. He will be treating that animal. The day that animal walks, you will walk. And, uh, <laughs> and my dad said, no. I'd rather go crippled. But Jesus will heal me. Two weeks later, a man walked into my dad's room, University of Ibadan Teaching Hospital, held his leg, and said, I'm able to heal this leg. My dad stepped his foot on the ground. He walked completely. That became the converting point of my grandfather. This thing is not powerless. We are not playing. That we left everything to preach the gospel is not for lack of unemployment. We know where we're coming from. Persecution will come. If you accept the true gospel, some of you will be rejected, some of you will be ostracized, some of you will be persecuted. But there's life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We yield to the full manifestation of your power. And we thank you, Father God, because the disciples counted it worthy to suffer things for your sake. And Lord, we yield to you. And we say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you will have your way in our lives. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for grace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.